we're talking with Ray Haynes, our general manager, about some Jewish festivals, which you're going to start tuning in every Friday and hearing this for the next several weeks. Yes. And so this one, we're talking about the month of August and the Lord's Prayer a little bit. Well, coming up uh, over the next few weeks right now, it's the month of Av, which is Aleph and and the uh, Vav, and those together looks like A and V, but it sounds like Av is what it is, but it means father. That's like Abba, and those are the two words in Hebrew you typically use for father, Av mm. and Abba. And this month, they add the word Menachem to it because they don't want, because it's a very sad month for them, they have a lot of tragedy in it, so it's actually Menachem Av, which means the comforting father. Mm. So we always want to see God as the one who's going to restore and redeem, which is kind of a cool tradition they have. And uh, next this Monday will be Elul, when Moses goes up on the mountain one more time, gets the Ten Commandments, comes down on Yom Kippur. And uh, so we'll be teaching on, share a lot about that next week. And the week after that, going to give you uh, a reach back to one of the uh, the original um, manuscripts of the book of Matthew in Hebrew, so we actually get to learn the Lord's Prayer and what's different in that, or at least adjusted a little bit from the Greek. It's, you know, it's always a wonderful thing about the Word of God is it is inerrant. It's translated, and over thousands of years, it, nothing has changed. It is what it is. But there are, because you translate something into a language, it does bring some different issues because, you know, you have, if I was to say, um, I love you, depending on who I said it to, it could be very different. In English, you know, we have different variations. We just say love, but some languages have multiple words for that. So, you know, if you're just a friend kind of a love or a right. marriage kind of love or not. And so translations need to deal with all those kind of issues. So that's why different versions of different languages can change the way that something uh, that you hear it. And, and Hebrew just happens to be... Uh, built a little more for our walk with Jesus, a lot more than the Greek language, which was, of course, they worshiped just all false deities, so it doesn't have the same concepts that Hebrew does, so that's why it's going to be kind of cool. But today, it's the focus on the Father, and right now, we're we're looking at what happened with the Jews that they, you know, for their history, they spoke the name of God and declared the name of God, and they're the caretakers of his name, and yet today, if you go and you uh, ask them what's the name of God, they won't be able to tell you, they won't speak it, they won't even write it down. And so something significant had to happen, right? And uh, so we talked about the Bar Kokhba revolt when they were uh, threatened with death to no longer say the name. That's where it started. But they would like to say, you know, it's just too holy to say, but the point is, if you can go back in history and show where you were declaring the name of God, clearly it wasn't. So is his name really too holy to speak? Well, if the translators who now won't, in our English Bibles, give us the name of God, the Father, because they're trying to do a deference to the Jews who won't translate it, um, the actual history would show you a very different story. His name was never too holy to speak. The name of Jehovah was, is, and will always be too holy not to speak. Mm. So let's go back before 138 AD. This is before this current mandate of silence. There's a very different mandate. In the time of Jesus, the time of Moses, all of those times in between, 
It was not to be silent. That's just crazy. This was the rule that was in effect since God first told his name to Moses. And this standard stayed in effect for over 1,600 years until the Romans demanded that they shut down all of Judaism, including speaking the name. And that was in 138. Uh, This passage comes from the Mishnah. Again, this is not me telling you this. This is them telling you this. These are the rabbis who wrote this. It was composed between 30 B.C. and 280. So this is a little before the time of Jesus, during the time of Jesus, and through the time of Bar Kokhba. It's inspired by Ruth 2.4. And here's what it says. A man is required to greet his fellow using the name. Mm. And then they give you the verse. Behold, Boaz was coming from Bethlehem, and he said to the harvesters, Yehovah be with you. And they said to him, Yehovah bless you. So that was the greeting that you've never heard because they don't do it anymore. In ancient Israel, during the time of Yeshua, Jesus, and for 100 years after Jesus, after he rose and sat down on the right hand of the Father, the greeting on this planet was Yehovah be with you, Yehovah bless you. Now, shalom is a great greeting. I like the word. It's a very powerful word. It's just a poor replacement for Jehovah be with you, Jehovah bless you, because yeah. it takes his name out. There are some who argue that speaking the name ended long before Jesus. So do we know if Yeshua used the name? Well, John 5 tells us this was a conversation he had with the Pharisees. I don't collect praise from men, but I do know you people. I know that you have no love for God in you. I've come in my Father's name, and you don't accept me. If someone else comes in his own name, him you will accept. So clearly, if he's come in my Father's name, he's saying his Father's name and declaring it, because otherwise he could be saying a different Father, right? So as you don't really need a lot more evidence if he declares it. That prophecy soon proved true from Jesus. Also, Rabbi Akiva, who was the spiritual leader of the Bar Kokhba revolt, he claimed that Simon Bar Kosiba was the Messiah, and he gave him the surname Bar Kokhba, which means the son of a star, or it comes from the uh, Numbers 24 prophecy that actually was about Jesus, there shall come a star out of Jacob. Well, a century after Jesus, the Jews flocked to this Bar Kokhba, half a million of them were killed by the Roman legions because uh, they were all fighting to the death because they thought this was their Messiah. So the prophecy of Yeshua was very timely, and clearly Jesus could not have openly declared and taught that he had come in his Father's name if he and others were forbidden to speak that name of Jehovah. Mm. It just makes no sense. And I hate to be really obvious, but why would Emperor Hadrian ban the speaking of the name if they weren't speaking the name as late as 138 A.D. That's kind of silly, right? Sadly, despite these simple realities, English language translators and publishers are still greatly influenced by the rabbinic traditions. So our Bibles are pretty much void of the 6,828 times the name of the Father, Jehovah, is present in the Hebrew Scriptures. Mm. The ultimate say-what moment to the issue of Bible translation is this. The very standards that translators are following are coming from the rabbinic Jews and Orthodox Jews who are the descendants and current generation of the party of the first century Pharisees who controlled the Sanhedrin, which rejected Christ. And the advent of this tradition came at Roman sword and spear point in 138 AD when the Sanhedrin chose to obey them. And yes, this is the very Sanhedrin that asked Rome to kill their Messiah that they rejected. So, our Christian standards of biblical translation of the name of God 
are based on a sensitivity to the standards and traditions of the very Pharisees who hate him. The very people Yeshua, Jesus, opposed. Matthew 15 warned us, stay away from those Pharisees. They're like blind people leading other blind people, and all of them will fall into a ditch. And here we are, 500 years overdue to realize that we're in a ditch, telling people not to say the name of God that made them, sustains them, saves them, and loves them. It's just crazy. The ones we followed into the ditch are the very ones God revealed his name to and made caretakers of his word. They refuse to speak his name, and what bothers me much more, they prevent their people from speaking his name. There are so many other amazing groups of Jews who have drastically different standards than the Pharisees of us who don't consider their own words to be equal with God's words. Many Jews follow Jesus or Yeshua or at least aren't hostile to him. Why not follow their traditions? For 500 years, almost all of our English language translations have been printing that God's actual name is the Lord. I kid you not. When you read it and you sit there and look, how can you even print that? 6,828 times, an average of seven times per page in the Old Testament, we replace Jehovah with and print Lord instead. Mm -hmm. The name of God that's in the Hebrew Bible should be in English Bibles. God put it in. His standards should take precedence. It's not enough that this pharisaical influence and tradition has robbed the Jewish people of speaking the name of God for 1,900 years. It should be unthinkable that the same influence is directly impacting English language translation and preventing the name of God from being translated. It's just crazy. But anyways, here we go. Coming up, uh, we're going to look at, when we talk about the name of God, the four letters, uh, Yud-Heh-Vav-Heh. There's a few ways that people say it. So is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? The answer is yes. (laughs) 